stop. Acceptable podcast. This is Mila here with Ken and our guest Mo Tap. Mo is uh, he works in education. Uh, he is also one of the first persons that I've learned about like disability from. So that's really special. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. Uh, how's it going, everyone? Really good. Yeah, it's uh, good to be alive. It is good to be alive, especially in these circumstances. Totally. So, Mo, do you want to tell our listeners about yourself? Sure. Well, I'll start by saying how I knew you guys. I started working at your elementary school uh, when you guys were in grade five. <laughs> and uh, so that was back in 2005, 2006. And uh, I started out as a volunteer and then worked my way into an education kid, kid, educational aid program. And uh, well, you guys to see the way because I was also working at your old high school as well um so you guys uh worked together through that and i'm still working at the old high school as well as uh, still in the same position as an educational aide and uh really it's a great gig very rewarding and i also find it a way for me to give back to both schools um as a way that for all they've given to me and the support they've given to me uh, to help me get through school with my disability. So do you want to explain, so when I first heard about your disability, when I've never heard of it before, it's it seems to be very rare, um, if that's a correct way to describe it, like it's not totally. yep. something no, people usually is. hear about. Um, so do you want to explain it and talk about the kind of um, struggles that uh, it might have posed for you growing up? Absolutely. Um, yeah, you are 100% right that it is a and extremely rare, and uh, what it is is a skin disease that's non-contagious, but it's called epidermolysis villosa. And there's a few different types of it. So I have one called junctional non-herlins, and it produces wounds that are very representative of burns or car crash wounds. Um, but it can be all over your body or inside your mouth and throat. Um, the worst of the worst can unfortunately get it into their stomach and those who have that type, uh, unfortunately, don't live past infancy because it affects their lungs and it affects their internal organs too much. I also do have, or was told that I have the one of the more fatal types anyway because of how um, severe the wounds are, how deep they are. But also, when I was born in 1986, it was even more rare, at least the knowledge of it, than it is 34 years later. So they did not expect me to survive past two as well. And because of that, they kept me in children's hospital for the first couple of years of my life. And because of children's hospital, though, I'm here today as well. Um, give back to them. And I actually still go to them for one of my dermatology appointments. Yeah, no, it's just because of how rare it is, they recognize that finding a dermatologist uh, that would know enough about ED, uh, that's what it's called for short, um, is would be extremely hard to do. So 
they decided to keep me on board, which was awesome. And uh, still go once or go once a year to uh, make sure all's good. That's good to hear. So, um, yeah, I'm very glad that you know we have these kinds of things available to like help uh, our comrades with disabilities. But like, I I hear different stories around the world. You know, um, obviously different places uh, accommodate disabilities differently. I honestly didn't really understand how this world is like made for a certain type of body until I got like temporarily unable to walk one time oh, no. when I injured my Achilles tendon and I had to walk around my school campus on crutches and there was like hills. Oh, and obviously yeah. this is nothing compared to like what actual people with disabilities go through, but I just remember thinking like, but still I know what you mean. And I've, yeah. I've been to your, campus before actually uh, yeah my sister used to go there so I totally know what you meant by the hills yeah and so I was thinking like damn like these places are not like designed or like whenever we design places we have an assumption of like what people's bodies are like and I remember like with you for instance there was stuff that like you know we had to be very careful about like bumping into you and stuff like that so there's like totally you live with totally different assumptions when you uh, live with a disability versus when you don't. Um, so what kind of everyday struggles would you say like that you have that people would have no idea about? Um, I'll just go back to what you said too um, about um, you guys having to be careful about bumping into me and that is because these wounds also can just for lack of a better term pop up and or friction or bumping does cause blisters that then turn into these wounds that, that are much like the burn wounds I was talking about, that mm -hmm. look very much like that. So that's um, why, and it also depends on the severity of ED you have. Um, some are like, you can take a bit more of a hit for lack of a better trip and not necessarily get a blister. Whereas someone just even giving them a, a very light high five can give them a blister yeah, on damn. their hand. So, And um, I'm somewhere in between those two. Um, when I was in elementary age myself, uh, I was definitely a lot more susceptible to um, quick wounds and quick blisters from just the lightest of touches. And I had a lot more bandages on. And those bandages also look very much like the bandages that doctors would use for a burn wound uh, to cover them. Um, so I had a lot more of those. Um, but now through the excellent care I've got through my nursing and through family and friends, um, the, and just my own maturity too, the skin has healed up um, a lot better. It's also a disease, just I realize I should say this as well, that right now there is absolutely no cure for it. You're born with it. It's a genetic thing. Unfortunately, I'm not really Mr. Science, so I can't go into the... Uh, scientific details of it without sounding like a fool <laughs> but uh, but um you have to have a gene or your both your parents have to have a gene of it and it's also very random so i have two older sisters and they don't have it and one of them has kids uh and so my nieces don't have it um and i was also the last um uh, in our immediate family so it skipped my two sisters and went to me um um about uh, daily struggles uh just even starts like getting dressed um if i'm really too sore really too tired um it takes longer to do the, to to do the basic daily care um such as bathing um again getting dressed um putting pressure on stuff like um opening tin cans or yeah yeah stuff um, we take for granted you know like it's it's wild gotcha gotcha um so the care i mentioned um 
the biggest part of it, and this is more or less across the board for anyone with ED, or at least is like the prescribed best treatment, is to have baths that, um, where you're sitting in the tub for about half an hour to an hour, and you put different solutions in it. Uh, for me personally, we use bleach and Aveeno and Epsom salts. And a lot of people think, well, how does bleach not do any damage? It actually yeah, is I was a, just uh, going to say. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Um, it's actually a disinfectant. And that was recommended years ago when I was like 11 or 10 by my dermatologist. And it's actually done the best things as far as keeping the skin managed. Mm. Um, it, and then we have to wrap to, the... Go ahead, Ken. Does it hurt to get in? Like, is it like when to get into totally. the bath? Totally depends on the wounds. Um, like I had had it last night, and I took a painkiller because I figured that I had a really open one right now on my thigh, and I thought, okay, that might hurt a little too much, and I just wanted to right de-escalate the anticipation of it hurting. Um, it definitely slash. I was a lot more afraid when I was a lot younger because I didn't know how to sort of manage the pain as best, and I would just scream or cry a lot. Um, but also through the years since I was 10, I've had a psychologist who started out helping me with pain management. And now, uh, she, I still see her every now and then just for regular psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few years ago, you were talking about, you know, um, everyday stuff. So a few years ago, uh, I just saw her when I kind of had a little mini breakdown of like, with this disease of power, and it's kind of why me, how did I end up getting it and stuff. That again, you were saying that you can take with granted. I don't mean that in a beanie way, but even like traveling and stuff, we have to plan out. We can just pack up and go tomorrow. I can go on a six week trip to Europe, for example, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Um, I'd have to plan out where I'm going, make sure it's um, clean enough in terms of for infection control for me and gut property, proper um, facilities for hygiene and all that. Um, so, but. Um, so she's also stayed with me her once a year, twice a year as well to help manage some psychology around this. And, yeah, uh, it, it definitely attests to like the connection between sort of physical health and mental health as well. Like I, I know that like, like also we kind of tend to separate the two because there's like a sort of mind-body dualism in our culture that we kind of assume all the time but right right but yeah i think like there's an increasing role played in healthcare with like mental health as well because obviously it's going to take a toll on you when like the way that everyone operates is not designed to like accommodate what like things like what you're saying like you know planning ahead um or like you know like even like very basic things like that so yeah that's really would you say that throughout the years like there's been changes in how they approach the mental health component oh 100 percent um and i'm actually all about um mental health especially where i work at at the school um and i'm very very thankful to my department head who also puts that above everything else in terms of academics or or social staff like if a kid i'm working with is going through mental health issues then make sure they're set straight that way and Mm -hmm. or at least you know getting the help they need yeah schools Uh, are improving on that for sure 100 percent. and i just took a technically i'm actually certified now in mental health training we just there was a course a couple months ago that another co-worker and i took right and uh, so that has helped us give us a lot of strategies um so i think definitely things like that have helped have improved over the years because i know it wasn't even as um 
little as 20 years ago in the in the late 90s or even early 2000s it wasn't as talked about wasn't as um accepted for lack of literature mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely been a change in how we conceive of it and i mean so for you you work in a high school which is like the the place for like every mental health issue to like come out of the uh, yeah totally unfortunately yeah and so i mean i remember like a lot of teachers didn't really know how to deal with that so you're working right now you're with like the learning resource center so you're helping people who are struggling with like learning disabilities or anything else that might be holding them back academically Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that sure um so i started in 0506 um and i started um couple days a week and then slowly moved into full-time and now I'm full-time I uh, have been for a few years and um, I started or sorry I um, really it's become a really good gig um, I feel again that I'm giving back to the schools that have given to me so much and helped me get through um, and also I'm feeling that in and not in a smart way or anything like that but truly that I'm also showing people with, who have disabilities of any kind that they, a relatively normal life can be still lived and they right. get through it. And so, I'm also very open about my own experiences too with the kids. Um, mm-hmm. When the new grade eights come in, I start off at the opening assembly with the talk about myself. The principal thought it would be a great way to demystify and get them comfortable to working with me. And I too have been much more open about what I have and much more open to talking about it within the last 10 years than I was um, many, many years ago when I was a kid or even even early 20s or late teens. Um, so even doing stuff like on your podcast, which I totally thank you for. Um, I'm very, very happy to do stuff like this to just get the awareness out of, uh, about ED, of course, um, but also talking about um, and putting over, which is a pro wrestling term for crazy uh, kids and people in general that go through the struggles of any kind. That's, yeah, that's so great. I, I wonder, like, because now there's a sort of discourse um, about, um, like, in a lot of, you know, ways that people conceive of disability. Typically, a lot, like, people don't consider um, mental health struggles to fall under that category in the same way as, like, physical disability would operate so for instance when I was in university we had something called the office for students with disabilities which like the obvious one is this they help you with accommodations with physical disabilities so like you know attending like if you might have anything that would hold you back from being able to like regularly attend lectures or like take notes or anything of that sort or like when I had a concussion um that's like, I guess, a temporary physical or cognitive disability. And they kind of started to expand that to mental health issues as well. Um, So like uh, ADHD, OCD, anxiety even, and stuff like that. So I'm wondering, like there's, people are still kind of ambivalent about lumping these all together. I'm wondering what you think about that. Um, I think, yeah, no. Definitely, I think honestly there is a separation. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, a clear definition between a, a regular physical disability and a, a mental health or a mental 
trying to find the right word, but you know where I'm going. Yeah, um, sure. But I think, yeah, definitely they should be separated because they're totally, two, there's two different ways of handling them. Yeah. Um, with mine, um, it is classified as a physical disability and there is no developmental delay from it. Um, right. So um, from the time you're born. Um, but at the same time, um, there's an emotional and a mental health side to it. So I personally, too, as well, suffer from anxiety. And right. And that's like around that's a different manifestation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, as I was saying about seeing my psychologist, it's not so much about the physical pain anymore because I've got that really managed under control. And mm-hmm. since being an adult, I've just learned, like, okay, as much as it hurts, this is something i got to go through and got to do it now and handle it much better. Um, now the uh, psychology side is just for emotional or, or mental health and anxiety about can be any anything that comes up in my everyday life. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because it's like you know you know what it's like to experience like you've grown up experiencing disability and now you're helping people who are experiencing all kinds of disability, whether it's uh, like learning or something like a mental health issue. Um, yeah. And so what kind of connections would you see between those experiences? Um, I think just the fact that um, because I have one, and in theory have both sides now, um, I'm able to empathize more with people who go through stuff like that. And I'm also able to relate sort of my story a bit, give a bit of advice through what I've learned or what I've done, or just sit and be there for them or sit and talk with them that's nice i feel like yeah. high school people really need that yeah and that's basically almost my number one job mm-hmm. um and that's what i meant by how my department head puts the men- mental health aspect over academics if they're having a really bad day then my job is just to sit with them and just get them through the day whether they go to class or not right yeah yeah that's the, that's Most, a big change yeah totally and it it really does help yeah, I think so, it does play, like, it impacts your performance in school. Um, oh, 100%, yeah. I think, though, 100%. also, like, tragically, is that while, like, we have a good healthcare system when it comes to physical disability, um, or I'm not sure if we do, but you, I don't know if you could attest to that. I can, um, actually, and I was going to lead into that in a bit. Um, I would actually say no on that one okay i mean in the sense yes and no actually let me rephrase that yes in the sense of i am very very extremely blessed and thank god that i live in canada um because people with my disease uh it costs a lot and when we become an adult we have to find a way to pay for it ourselves um because medical supplies are so expensive so i cannot imagine how people in the u.s let alone any third world countries get by i know my mom has read stories of those in third world countries having to wash the bandages and reapply them so the ones oh they just had on for yeah um and then just with the system that is in the u.s how they can afford it they don't know right yeah, yeah well, they, well somehow that's... they do but in the but, U.S., it's, um, it's very, it's a big issue for, from what I hear from other people with disabilities in the U.S., because your health insurance is tied to your employment coverage, and there are some people who are unable to, to work, work full time, yeah. and so then, therefore, they don't have health insurance, and then they can't, so now there's been a lot of activists 
I know there was someone on the Bernie Sanders campaign who was like immobile um, and he like was fighting for health care because like that's kind of what he was saying is like our insurance shouldn't be tied to our employer. It should be like how we have it in Canada, how like, you know, no matter what, you're still you're not going to like die from not having enough money or like, exactly. No, and I 100 percent agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I've other aspect taking too, that for granted here. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other two things too, kind of what you literally just said right there reminds me too, is, and I mean this 100% respect, is you guys wouldn't really think about it too much because you haven't lived it. Yeah, exactly. Literally, like, physically lived it. Um, whereas me on the flip side, I haven't lived without it. Right. So yeah. I think this is all I've known, what I go through with the routines and the routines by the way I meant to mention that earlier are every two days or three days and they can last up to four hours um so um those um but and those are mainly done in the evening because I still work and of course as right mentioned. yeah um but um but we did that was the other thing too my parents never let me live um I think around my disease what I'm trying to say we worked the disease around my life right yeah yeah, yeah. so they still let they still have me go to school they still expect me to go to college and get a job and everything mm-hmm. um, because I am fully capable and that ties back into the differences between the mental health um, and slash developmental delayed system versus the physical disability system um, I don't, honestly don't know if it's gotten better in the last 15 years but when I first turned 18 officially an adult um, they presume and I being a little sarcastic I'd say this but it's true um that you know it goes away magically when you're 18 so all the coverage you get from the government while you're a child to help you and your family out you are now on your own for or and finding programs to help you so we've had a couple of those fights we've had fights where with the vancouver coastal system where they wanted to take the nurses i have away because literally they cost too much really Um, wow yeah they and all since becoming an adult and they wanted to have their own in-house nurses, but that wouldn't work because um, random time, I have specific times and those random nurses would come at random times. It wouldn't be the same nurse every time. And that's a big, big thing with anybody with any type of disabilities. It really should be the same person because, or at least the same two or three or four, however many, but it can't be one person on Monday, a completely different person on Wednesday, a completely different person on Friday. And then that's like, yeah. You're already exhausted enough from your regular day. You don't want to have to always retrain. Yeah, exactly. That's that's interesting because specifics. so so um, the coverage you don't have the coverage past eighteen. So is the care involved for the care for EB? Is that like fall under extended medical rather than just like our in our usual single yes. care system? That's wild. Yeah. So we had to go through different programs. And my dad was who the company he worked for at the time uh, would allow their insurance allowed as long as I was living with him to me to be covered under his insurance. Um, but we knew there was a time that wasn't going to happen. Um, so thankfully, I got awesome insurance through this through the school and uh, the company they use. Um, but also, really, like I said, I don't know if it's any better 15 years later. But the government would have just been happy for me applying with a person with disabilities check, which would give me like $3,000 a month, but I wouldn't be able to work. I wouldn't be able to own anything like a car or home. Um, and, uh, 
Um, and while that would cover medical expenses, it's not almost not moral in a way. I would yeah. say. Yeah. And it's not very respectful to someone who is able to work and contribute to the society. Yeah, it's that's and that's I want very to, strange. And, and I am, but well, it puts it puts you in the same predicament as the Americans. So here we are saying, haha, we have a better healthcare system, but then there is some people with disabilities who basically have to go through the same thing. Where like you're you're using your employer insurance now. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um the backup I do have to that. Um, if God forbid anything went awry with work, um, is that there's also organization for ED, and mm -hmm. so we have a Canadian one, and they totally help. They help out. They have a system fund that will help pay what I pay out of pocket for it, medical supplies, um, and they do a lot of awareness. They do a lot of fundraising uh, events. They do anything like that just to start building up, and it's become a lot more open and out there last 15 years yeah that's like more then, people then when I was learning totally um yeah I but, found in in Canada also like our mental health care kind of lags behind our like physical health care too like and again I don't know because like I've expressed this before on the pod as like and Ken and I have both expressed this as like we're a little bit like unsure about our psych system here mm. um or just like the practice of it. Um, I've had some like really strange psychologists in my lifetime <laughs> and psychiatrists, but it's just interesting. Like I know, you know, I was thinking the other day, like, wow, like when I go back and start school again in September, I'll finally be able to like access mental health care. Cause like here it's not covered by insurance. Um, I don't really? have employment insurance. Yeah, it's not covered. And so, like, psychiatric okay. care is covered, but not, like, psycho psychological care. And a lot of times, if you're receiving psychiatric care, like, if like, I take medication, um, the condition of receiving the medication is that you're getting psychological treatment. But then it's, like, the psychological treatment mm -hmm. you have to pay for. So it's kind of, like... Yeah, it's definitely like a little broken in, in that respect. But if you go to university, your university can provide it for you. But then the problem is the university is that they don't have a lot of psychologists there. And like, as you can imagine, mental illness is like flourishing at universities, uh, probably yeah, just as much as high school, if not more. And so you end up with like a like so many mentally ill people and you cannot access or you can access it but there's like months long wait lists and uh you can only have an appointment like once a month or like i had it like once every, i i got lucky i had it like once every two weeks but oh, good. Nice. yeah but like they weren't great <laughs> so so it was kind of like I joked on the last app that my psychiatrist looked like Bill O'Reilly. But yeah, I don't know. I think also with mental illness, it's easier to like self-diagnose yourself. So then people get like really neurotic and being like, oh my God, what if I have this? What if I had this? Like there's so many like online quizzes. Mm -hmm. And like I, I found during quarantine, I've been trying to like do yoga and I cannot pay attention. Oh, okay. Like, I can't focus at all. And then I was like, oh my God, what if I have ADHD? <laughs> and like, then I just started taking all these like online tests and like, do I have ADHD? Oh my God. But it might be just that I find yoga really boring. 
Um, like we don't, we don't know. Whereas like in some, fair enough, I, I think I would be in that category. Yeah, finding yoga boring. Finding yoga boring, to be honest. Yeah, but it's yeah. very, it's very like, I don't know. I think it's like it's. I don't know if it's like harder to diagnose with like mental illnesses than with like like with physical illnesses. It's more clear cut almost. It's like here are the symptoms they're like physically manifesting. Um, whereas like with mental illness, like you're relying on someone reporting their mental states to you. Yes. Which, no, which is like, absolutely. Uh, and that, that can, takes either a very long time to get out of someone or might never happen at all. It all depends on the report you have with them. Yeah. There's so. layers of psychology too. Like if you go to a psychologist and you say, I think I have this, you're going to be like, no, I, I, I disagree. Like there's like <laughs> that thing too, which is like almost a contrarian sort of. The contrarian right. psychologist. Honestly, it's like, mm, no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine like us as a psychologist? Like, <laughs> you that on WebMD? Yeah. <laughs> you want to just take my chair and do my job for me? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's definitely like. Did you go to Princeton? No, yeah, go on. I feel like it would depend. <laughs> it would depend on like the individual psychologist more, but I don't know because I know like even with doctors, it's like you know, that now doctors have to be trained in psychology a little bit and, like, in, like, talking to their patients. And stuff. Oh, okay. Because apparently, like, now, I don't know, maybe this is also, like, a feature of, like, this, like, hyper-developed capitalist society where it's, like, now there's, like, Yelp for doctors. And so, like, like oh, it's not, and so, like, mm. people will, like, rate doctors on, like, their doctor Yelp. And then doctor, this is more in the States because here it's not. Oh, I've like, heard of something like that, yeah. But but in the States, they have like, you know, like. No, but there is a program that you could, hmm? there is a program you can do that because one of my nurses, I can't remember, there is a, one Canadian, or at least BC in particular, that you oh can actually God. rate your doctor, go on and see a review for a doctor if you're going to a new one. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, I guess that's like helpful. I, yeah, I can't remember what the site was called, but one of my nurses was talking about that one time but I like I remember looking at the reviews for my doctor and they were so bad but I really, really like I really like her but she's just like it's different people work for different people you know like she's very oh, like she's very like you know like blunt like every time she sees me mm -hmm. she's always like are you taking iron supplements yet and I'm like no and she's like yeah I can tell and like you know like she'll be like <laughs> she always thinks I look like I'm dying or something um oh no and so, like, no, that she's with very my, my long, longest dermatologist or longtime dermatologist. Um, she was really nice and was really the only one at that point that knew about EV, so we stuck with her. She really didn't do a heck of a lot in terms of major, major recommendations to improve. It was more just a quick checkup once or twice a year. And, mm -hmm. um, the guy I see now is much more better and knows more, and also a really good guy. Um, yeah. So, um, but he's uh, comes up with better ideas and new things to try. So, so I know what you're saying there that yeah. some work for you or some don't, but some, some work for, yeah. I mean, sometimes people yeah. don't want their doctors to be like blunt, you know, or like they don't, they don't align with like a particular personality. That's um, just about vibe. Yeah, it's about vibe. Do you vibe with your doctor kind of yeah. thing? Or like vibe checking your doctor? Straight up though medical vibe check yeah it's oh, and that's like, also how i figured how i relate 
and work with kids too at school honestly is like i treat them like i would treat one of my friends right like, yeah go hey how's it going um how's the weekend etc okay what you got to work on today i don't go in there right away and go all right like, so now start working. <laughs> yeah exactly because um, it really is about developing a rapport um especially when they're teenagers because yeah. I feel like teenagers, like, especially, you know, you get this, like, complex about authority figures, like, talking down to you. I remember, like, that used to really get to me. Um, Fair enough. And, and I think that's, like, a thing where you're, um, you'll so you're build up. you're very happy a, when I came in then, because I was in Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you build up a sort of resentment against people who you interpret as talking down to you. Um, yeah, and, totally. And so, like... So Mila, how, how do I deal with extreme uh, neurosis bordering into paranoia? Okay, let's I haven't let's grown chat. <laughs> yeah, get no. a psychologist on the, the podcast. <laughs> My psychiatrist. I okay, like I think that like for me when I was a teenager, something I resented a lot was that like people would speak with authority and then I would do my own research and find out what they said wasn't like quite true. So it made me like grow mm-hmm. to distrust authority figures. Yeah. Um, so like one example I was thinking of was like in grade six and seven, you get these like say no to drugs campaign and they, they mean well, but then they lump in things like weed with all the other drugs, you know, they say yeah. that they're all the same. And then you try weed and you realize that it doesn't do what they say it's going to do. And then for me, that made no, because they they made it sound like on the same level as like heroin. It's and not. So that, and so, <laughs> well, so then you do it, and you're like, oh, okay. So they were lying, and then you end up yeah. distrusting like the experts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and similarly, like adults in your life might say something like over exaggerated, meaning like, and they might want to protect you by doing it. Um, yeah. but then it turns out that like you know, there it was like a noble lie, you know what I mean? And then you kind of grow to resent like the noble lie. And for me, like another thing that I grew to be annoyed with as a teenager was religion. Obviously, like I found that like, what was told to me was not the fully true picture. So I felt kind of lied to. And like, um, do you remember specifically what do you, you want to know my first ever disillusionment with religion? It's really funny. What is it? So I I remember in grade six, we were reading uh, the Old Testament and mm-hmm. Moses was leading his peeps to the promised land. And I was like rooting for him, you know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> go Moses. Like, and then he, um, there's like a scene where God tells him to like strike a rock and the water will come out and then he does it and then god's like you doubted me for like half a second so now you don't get to enter the promised land and i was thinking wow what a dick like i was thinking like i'm sorry but like moses did everything for you god like he did so much and now you're not letting him in because he was like skeptical for like half a second like anyone would be skeptical in that situation and so then i was like that made me annoyed because then like the other kind of thing you hear about god like God's supposed to be reasonable. Like he's supposed to be like all loving. He's supposed to like love his people and like help them out. This is what I was thinking in like grade six, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking like, oh my God, I'm so depressed about this. And then there was also like a war in Lebanon. I thought you were talking about religion. 
Right. And, and I, you're talking... Go ahead. Sorry. No. And so then like people like not about religion, but people were like, like bringing religion into it. And I just, my, I remember my family just being like, if God was real, there'd be no war in Lebanon. And I was like, yeah, and he wouldn't have screwed Moses over like that. But I thought you were talking about uh, like uh, authority figures telling you like, do you remember any specific that stick out to you? Like, Oh, like, about like, well, I just felt lied to about like God. Cause like you keep hearing from like your educational peeps. Like, yeah, he loves you so much. Like whatever. Like, I think that's true. Then I, yeah, I don't see, I, mean, oh, I, I felt were, I felt I lied more, to about well, on that front. Like, I can picture if they like 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 fudge some facts about other stuff that's like tenden tangential. You know what I mean? So so I thought that they did too in some but respect I, yeah. about like the church. Like when I remember like when we were talking about like the pedophilia issues and like in religion class that was kind of downplayed, like and I just thought, like, why don't you just own up to this and just be like, it doesn't represent all of us. They're just some bad people. Instead of just being like, well, there are other pedos in the world. Like, okay, sure. Um, and then there was also, like, in Italy. Okay. And, like, that was kind of also, like, histor- there's just a lot of, like, historical revisionism that I was kind of like, there. but that wasn't like the source of my I just mean like I'm giving examples of like there are like sometimes these omissions that adults make because they think it'll be better for you not to know so, or like it'll protect yeah so how does that how does that tie into a mistrust or a resentment of authority and how did you how did you <laughs> get over that, that to me it just did felt you find like different authority no so for me it know, just I felt for me it just felt like they're not saying who they like are they they're not what you see isn't what you get yeah exactly and yeah. so and, and that's so, why like, i take the philosophy um when i'm working with the kids i'm always upfront with them about you know you can talk to me about anything but yeah. here's a thing that i have to report suicide yeah if you know someone that's in danger or you are are self in danger otherwise yeah. 99% of other stuff can stay between you and that. I used to kind of resent and the suicide thing, though. I, in what way? It's fascinating. Like, when you go into a psychologist's office, like, they'll be like, um, have you ever thought about, like, killing yourself? And then, like, you kind of want to be like, mm, yeah, I do want to talk about this. But then at the same time, you're, like, scared, too, because you're scared they're going to, like, report you. Right, right. And so... It's, it's also, like, like, who hasn't thought about it in some capacity? Like, have you ever <laughs> thought about killing yourself? Like, people think thoughts. Yeah, but, like, you don't know what the line is. And, like, like how much can you say before you're, like, reported? So then you're kind of like, mm, like, should I talk about my suicidal thoughts? Or, like, should I, like, not, you know? And so then that's kind of, like, that that I didn't like about the psych system. I, I think Mo is not a narc. Like, and he's it- not going to, like... <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to do it. No, no, no. And like I say, I'm up front. That's exactly. And that's the other reason too, definitely more so where I work because I'm working with minors. Um, where in one theory, I'm kind of respons- you know, responsible for life in a way. Right. Um, yeah. But um, and that, but that's also why I do say um, that I, I have reported this, this, and this, and I'm upfront with them about that because if I don't say that, and they do tell me something that I do have to report, and it gets back right, to them right. that I said it. I don't want them to think that I that they were 
and a hundred percent like keep it between us report and I betray their trust. I want yeah. them to know that hey, we can talk about anything. This is the only thing that's happened. Let them know because it's in the best interest of you and to get you help if needed, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Line, right. And they respect that. And mm-hmm. they still talk to me about stuff that is very, very serious. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And some stuff I've had to report and some stuff, and, but most stuff I can keep to myself. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And or it's me. all. Yeah. I think, like, what I was saying to get back to this, like, resenting of authority figures thing is, like, I think with the rise, like, we became teenagers as the internet started to, like, become a thing. And so, you know, you can't just take for granted what, like, older people are telling you now. Like, you can just look it up and be like, no, that's not true. And so then that also, like, I think stressed out, like, older people because their authority could be challenged, like, sure. just by, like, looking stuff up on the internet. Like, I used to do this all the time with, like, my high school principals <laughs> and stuff like that. And, like, Such a good bit. Yeah, and, and I actually like, know. Yeah, and so well, I used to always just be like, actually, and like my teachers <laughs> would be like so annoyed. Um, but I think there's just a sort of I'll give you an example. So like, there the WHO, the World Health Organization, um, during this pandemic, they were initially said don't wear masks because oh, yeah, uh, like they're not actually gonna help, and people are like well then why are doctors wearing them if they're not helpful and it turned like they were lying to get you not to use them to save them for the doctors but it's an incompetent lie that everyone sees through yeah totally it's the noble lie so i just found a lot of that happening when i was in high school like these noble lies to try and like and a lot of them had good intentions like they wanted you to be safe and like whatever like there's just all these lies about like I, I found a lot had to do with like substances, but also like, you know, partying, sex, whatever. Like there was all kinds of stuff that I think was over-exaggerated in order to keep you safe. But then when you, when you end up like realizing that it's not as dramatic as what people are saying, then as a teenager, that's really annoying to you because you're like, you're trying to figure out the world yeah. and there are these people telling you these like noble lies. So, mm-hmm. like, I think that to me was um, creative. And, and then as I got older, because Ken, you're asking how I like outgrew this resentment. I don't know if I fully did. Like, there's a lot of things that piss me off. Um, yeah. I think right now, like, I direct that more at like sites of political power. So, for instance, like the security state is one of the biggest things. Like, I think there's a lot of lies going on where we, like, the Iraq war, weapons of mass destruction lie. Totally. Um, yeah. like stuff like that where it's like you, there are these elites in power they're so out of touch with regular people and they know that like whatever they say is going to go unchallenged and so they are at least not challenged enough to challenge their power and so they lie to the public who's already scared and they say these people hate you they want to blow you up with their weapons of mass destruction in order to like get everyone to support their w- elitist wars that don't help anyone except themselves it just puts lines their pockets and like lines dick cheney's pockets Mm -hmm. uh while you know the rest of us pay for it like this iraq war costs a trillion dollars imagine if canada got involved too so like these are these are ways of swindling money out of people through lies and so i think that's what i have now directed my resentment at instead of like at people in my life yeah i'm just like well, okay I'm, this this is more consequential 
to the world. You know? I, have a, I have a spicy take about globalism and immigration. Okay, that's random. Well, it's been floated that um, some of the value of, of more open borders is that elites can use it as a wealth transfer. Yeah, I Both? agree with that. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, there's definitely this theory that's put forth by a lot of leftist theorists that, um, you know, it'll just end up creating these sorts of like wealth archipelagos of like, uh, you know, like where like you, again, you transfer all the wealth to like a certain uh, component of society while like exploiting these people that are desperately coming from these other countries but I think also like here's the thing is like even if um this I'm gonna sound like an asshole but no but this is touchy so there's no way to yeah but even yeah let's go for it like even being in a non-war torn country makes you far more safe than like not being in one even if you're going to become economically exploited which sucks and we need to work for like better protections of these people that are going to become economically exploited Mm -hmm. when they come here it's still better than living in like isis land it's the same too for those who have disabilities in countries like that too yeah exactly so then yeah that's a great example because people talk about like economic migrants um and they say like oh well you're not escaping war well maybe not but like you said like even if if I had a disability and I was living in the U.S., I would come to Canada. Yeah, <laughs> probably, right? Because it's like, you know, and what what you were kind of saying about like be mine too and stuff and people mm-hmm. and political and stuff too. Along with disabilities, the people that make the decisions about what costs and who's good to look after you are not the people that are actually looking after you. They're the people in the offices. Yeah, exactly. Or all day making the big bucks and they don't go down and see what's actually going on. Yeah, it's and the crazy. People that, the people that tried to take our nurses away. Yeah. We had never seen before in our lives, mm-hmm. but they were all the managers and stuff that had no idea what the nurses really do and how yeah. much they actually do help and how good of the system I think also they are yeah with with things like um immigration it it kind of makes me laugh because a lot of people their justifications for like everything is well people act in their self-interest and that's good and then when immigrants come they're acting in what they believe is their self-interest and so you can't really fault them for that or what they've been taught is their self-interest like what yeah. they grew up with right mm-hmm. so it's all they know I know I would never survive in places like that. Right. Well, it's just, and another thing is this, is that in these countries where you don't have basic social services provided to you, I I do think that this is how political extremism comes to be because you have, then you have your religious extremists who say, look, your government's not providing you with healthcare, but we will. And they build hospitals, they build schools and infrastructure. And they say, your government's not looking after you, so we'll look after you. And that's how these people flock to all these religious extremist groups. These like these groups would not have any solid ground in a country where governments are providing right, right, right. basic social safety nets. Such as here in Canada. Yeah, I mean, like, we definitely have our own extremists, but they're not, like, about to take over government, right? Like, it's like... Exactly. So, 
so I think I don't know that's my hot take of the day um but yeah I definitely I, I hadn't really thought about like healthcare migration as well usually when I talk about immigration I talk about it in the context of war but I do think sure. also that that's a good that's a good point is that like you know you want to go somewhere that's going to look after you know or going to help you treat or manage a health condition or disability or something like that but um i feel like we have digressed a little bit from this no, no. it all this. sort of tied in somehow <laughs> yeah it was like mental health um, thing i learned a lot um just listening to the first bit how's wrestling how's the health <laughs> is it an essential service actually yeah they kind of got around that i don't know how i feel about that wait what happened with wrestling they deemed it an essential service oh my so god so they're doing a close set no with like no fans and stuff but oh okay but i thought like in wrestling you're in very close contact with someone yeah and they are doing all the screenings and stuff oh god wait yeah but but if so like if two people in la do a drive to each other's studio and do a podcast is that illegal under okay so could could wwe just have like but could wwe have just done their thing anyways without being deemed an essential service not necessarily no i think it would um have to, they'd have to get the approval because they they're in florida right now but if it's not illegal like is if nobody's stopping them is kind of my point like no they had to get approval like the governor actually deemed it but, yeah, but i'm also not betting i truthfully i don't know or understand the behind the scenes of it that way right, right. yeah i don't know how they pulled that off what are the yeah. laws in Canada right now? Are there laws about quarantining or is it mostly voluntary? I think it's like there's like suggestions made by health authorities, but I do know I think that it's on unofficial laws because yeah, last it's like I saw on the news too, they're gonna they're gonna but, like find people and stop or Right. It's like fine, but one of the laws that I think is like is good is that they're saying that you cannot get fired for obeying social distancing rules. So okay. let's say you say, yes. I am not going, like, let's say your job involves you uh, having to make contact with, like, someone. Well, look at my job. We're yeah. going to school online, right? Yeah. Then you're, you're not allowed to, like, fire so. someone for obeying the guidelines put forth by the health minister. Which yeah, I exactly. Think is good. Like, I'm glad that oh, I can go into the office. Yeah. Because I would feel really anxious about doing that, especially if you live with someone who has a compromised immune system. So, like, that's kind yeah. of the issue, right? It's like, like yeah, if so, I get it, it's not. A big and technically, deal. I have, but if I get it, it might be because I do have exactly. a compromised immune system. So, I got to be a little bit more careful as well. Yeah. And so, it's good that, like, for instance, SCA is not being like, okay, we're going to fire you for not coming into work, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, they've really taken care of us, uh, of all staff in that way. And, and said we're all getting still on call until the beginning of June because we're still doing school online, so we're providing a service. Mm-hmm. So if I get it and then beat it or am asymptomatic, can I still give it to people? Yeah. Forever? No, not forever. It's only no, to it's, still carry the pathogens. It's a two-week thing? I think okay. you're contagious for 14 days if you get it. And that That's about right, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah, but you should just not get it. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you can. <laughs> Are you still going into work, Ken? No. 
I'm getting, I'm really getting bored and like self-destructive right now. Oh, First no. few weeks were great. And then now it's just like, oh. You man. should read. That's what's been helping me. Yeah, reading's good. I just started yeah. this new book. I've been on a psychology reading tour. Not psychology, sorry, psychiatry. Slash psychology, there's a bit of psychology. I've started reading this book called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's about how like trauma affects your body, which is pretty whack. But I'm very in what early way? in. I'm very early in, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Well, Morgan, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned pain management, um, like techniques. Is there anything you could easily kind of share? Because that's super interesting sounding. Yeah. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, when I was a kid, a lot of it was like focusing on TV or video games or something. Um, or my um, GI Joes or whatever. Now, if it's something minor, like where I don't need painkillers for, I just develop the technique of just biting down on a face cloth. Or just... Uh, a, a lot of what? it is oh, face cloth. Yeah. But a lot of it is too just a bit of deep reading and just mm-hmm. sort of definitely just thinking in. And most of it is not as bad as I think it's gonna be. Or it eases up pretty quick, but it's also I'm used to it. So um, you, but yeah, in, in an extreme case like last night where I just felt this is gonna hurt too much. So I did take a painkiller just to relax. But I'm way few and far between those now. Right. Do you said you said you got better as you've gotten older did your condition actually improve or did you just get better at managing it both Um, so actually yeah just through the care and then also then kind of maturing for lack of a term in a way of like realizing that something's got to be done right you know and myself taking care of it every now and then as well um i don't have any wounds on my arms anymore or and i had full-on bandages from the neck to toe in years right um and then yeah, just the man. Yeah, so the management of it. And, uh, oh, shoot, Interesting. I thought about that, but I've lost it. That's okay. <laughs> I, I've noticed, like now with pain treatment, I'm gonna go a little Joe Rogan here. So <laughs> now for pain treatment, they've started to use cannabis now that it's been legal. Um, there's obviously different ways of like ingesting it, so like edibles, oils, etc. I was wondering what you think about that because I've now like I've seen people who I've never thought would try it. Like right, now right. they're they're doing it because it's legal, and uh, like like cancer patients are now making use yeah. of that. But I never no good. Oh well, you're mentioning like ibuprofen for for yeah. something that you use, right? And that's pretty like standard. Uh, no, actually, Tylenol three, which has codeine. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, that's more. That's uh, has some to- more, a little more oomph. stronger. <laughs> but yeah. no, that's totally like above board too, and through a doctor prescription and everything yeah so and i again need those few and far between honestly i don't use it i've never smoked or anything like that i've never done anything like that um just because i'd be too afraid i've read enough of what i thought was like health issues or health issues and stuff um i've read Mm -hmm. enough bad stories i just would be too afraid and i've also always for everyone the kids i work with um and i don't mean preachers and don't do it or anything like that but i I've said I've never done it. I told them I've never done it. So if I did, I'd feel like go back on my word and feel <laughs> super bad about that. Yeah, you need to like hold yourself to account. But, and even like, I do drink, but, and that's actually another sort of like goodly way too. Like a lot of people would see me, see what I have as a good excuse to get high or get drunk or whatever to alleviate the pain. Mm-hmm. But I don't buy into that. You know, I understand people who are in those 
don't yeah. get me wrong on that. And I don't judge in that way. Um, but I just never got into it myself. And I would feel really bad if I ever did end up going down that road or yeah i think this is also um, an issue of like pain man like like if your doctors are are good and they're being attentive yeah. to your needs and providing you with good pain management you might not feel the need to self-medicate whereas like you know maybe some people find that especially psychologically i find like i was reading that a lot of people with untreated adhd smoke a lot of weed because like they don't know why but like they're self-medicating with it oh, okay and so, like, um, people who are medicated with, like, regular meds early on are less likely to, like, do, like, self-medicate than the people who are not properly medicated mm. early on, earlier on in their lives. Right, right, right. Which is interesting to me because, I'm like... I'm so suspicious of giving, like, elementary school kids ADHD Me too. Me too. Or when I was, like, 14, 15, I got a Clonopin prescription, and I was kind of like, mm, like... I was, yeah. I was I on something for all of grade six for ADD. Really? Um, and it was, like, the best year. But also because I had Mr. Cole, who, like, loved me, and I was, like, excelling at basketball and stuff. So, but, yeah. but then afterwards, I was like, no, this is not... Yeah, I think sometimes people like just give kids ADHD meds because they want them to behave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely other strategies that there's behavior plans. Yeah, I I mean, my my opinion on on meds is like it should be a last resort always. Um, Like, no, I have no. I even take, I even take that with my Tylenol free with coding because that's the other thing too. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very small a lot of us with ed are also smaller um physically developmentally uh for our average age than people our average age um Mm -hmm. so lighter weight um not growing as i think you know what i'm trying to say sorry i'm just not getting on the words yeah we're undersized we're undersized for compared to most people around our age solidarity Um, system because of all the um nutrients and stuff we lose through wounds Mm -hmm. oh for myself so for myself also like probably smoking weed and doing really high drugs and even the Tylenol 3 I feel it um Tylenol 3 a lot more easier and quicker than most people would so again I use that as a last last resort too and I really feel I need to use it to get through otherwise again back to the pain management type of thing it's much easier um just to literally bite and get through it um that's tough that's badass yeah yeah but yeah yeah i i remember i was but prescribed again. that codeine and uh oh, yeah. they're so careful when they prescribe it i i had injured yeah because it. it is it is an, an addict one as well yeah yeah that's so that's what i heard you can be i it was pretty good not bad not a bad one not i'm not a big cough syrup mm. person but it's uh some people like it <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but overall, I will say, you know, I don't judge, is what I'm saying. Um, just you know. Oh right. yeah, no, and nor do I. Sort of to sum up my life too, and how I like with the person with a disability. In one way, um, I also feel blessed to have what I have because I've had experiences and I met people. As someone without a disability, wouldn't have met. I feel I've helped a lot of people again. This might sound like a pedestal thing, but I'm really not. I just genuinely how I feel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like I say, you know, I'm showing people as uh, a disability that a relatively normal life can live. And then I've also met a lot of other people with 
different types of ED and been mentors to them and good family friends with them. That's nice. It's really, it's um, really nice to have that. Yeah, totally. And then the other thing I think about sometimes is too, is like, if I didn't have this, I was raised in a really good family and everything, but you know, maybe I would have been the one that would have gone down a super bad road, but because of having me, I've had to be careful. So my life was already pretty routine. Um, so I didn't have the chance to wild, <laughs> but, but in all, and in all seriousness, that in theory is now a good thing. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think the other thing that brought up once before pretty recently with my nurses too is this is all I've known, right? From day one, March 13th, 1986. I think I would be more scared. And again, I'm not judging. I don't mean to say any disrespect, but I think I would be more scared if I didn't have a disability and then became disabled. Right. Right. Because because I I lost what I lost something before. Whereas well, now, this is all I've known, so I don't know what it's like on the other side. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know I, what it's like to have normal skin and not hurt or... Yeah, you like adapt to it. I think that's yeah. so true because for me, like whenever I've gotten like an injury, I'm a huge baby about it. Like I get so mad, I can't handle it. Like when I have a concussion, when I have my concussion, I couldn't go to the gym for like a month. I was like, this is the end of the world. Like my life <laughs> sucks. I'm so miserable <laughs> or like <laughs> stuff like but that. You know what? I don't judge them. That don't worry because that's you know everyone. Yeah, people different, right? and they do think that way. So yeah. different. I think when I talk and I think to people, that's... Like, when I when I talk with Sorry. people who, who have experienced disability, I think I I feel like or like I realize how much I take for granted in my life, like being able to like you know go to the gym for instance, right, right. and like just like and even even me, I do admit I take things for granted too. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in a really good, living a good life in a good country. Mm-hmm. And even though you know my disability is really harsh, it's there's so many out there that are much more worse than mm-hmm. in so much worse situations. So I I look at that and have empathy for them. And, well, um, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast, Morgan. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks, guys, I, for having. I learned me. a lot. It was yeah. great. You're welcome. And you guys, I just want to say you guys are awesome. You know, you know, you guys are awesome to work with in schools. And thanks for uh, keeping friends after. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Bless. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Should we shout thanks out? Thanks for listening. Shout out to our patron, Brandon. Yeah. We don't have any more patrons to shout out yet, but uh, hit us up on Patreon. Uh, we got some fun little benefits coming your way. And uh, <laughs> don't forget to like us on Facebook. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, I'll see you soon, Morgan. Take care, Ken. Take care, Mila. Yeah.